you always want the conflict to be your prospect's pain, you know, the, the, their biggest struggling point. So when you're telling a story about that, you're really digging deep into their own personal pain. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy, and it's time for episode 89 of the McMethod Marketing where you'll discover how to get more customers in less time with less fuss and less hassle so you can have the business that you want and do all the things you want to do. Today, I'll be talking to AJ Mirzad. Now, AJ's a great guy. I met, this, I met AJ in New York when I was there a couple months back. He's a fitness guy. He's absolutely ripped. I mean, you check out this guy's Facebook photos. And he mentions his Facebook in this, uh, in this interview, so you get to hear about that. A really cool guy. We had dinner together. There's a bunch of us guys. They're talking about business and life and philosophy. And I really get on well with AJ because we, we both have this, um, you know, I guess affinity or liking of, you know, getting philosophical about life, about purpose and about, you know, what we all should, you know, what, what we should be doing with ourselves, all that sort of stuff. Introversion, extroversion. So I really love talking to him. And in this episode, we actually talk about the storytelling process and how it affects the buying process. Now, AJ's got some really, I'd say new, you know, ideas about storytelling and how to use it and a couple of different book recommendations that I've never heard of. So I learn a lot from talking to AJ about the stories and I really think you're going to get a lot out of this. So this is all about writing stories and using stories to persuade instead of facts and benefits. And there's a great formula that he shares about halfway through about how to, how to really craft those stories that connect with your readers. To get the show notes for this episode of the McMethod Marketing Podcast, go to the McMethod.com slash 89. Now, this week's McMaster's Inside of the Week. It's another good one. A bit similar to last week about this opportunistic folk, uh, you know, opportunistic versus being focused. And this one is you've got to take a holistic view of business instead of just tactical. Now, what does that mean? Well, some people, you know, come to me, they join, say, McMaster's, or they, they buy a product of mine, or they hire the order, you know, the hire us to write an autoresponder for them. And one thing I've noticed in some, you know, some of the people that come to work with, with us is that they've heard about the autoresponder and how amazing it is. And I think it's this, you know, whiz-bang technique for, you know, magically converting leads into customers. And, you know, in some ways, an order, you know, an autoresponder can be very powerful. I'm not denying that. But there's a mindset that, that some people have with this where they think they're looking for that, you know, the latest and greatest tip, the latest and greatest tactic that's going to explode their business. And it's just not, I mean, that's not how it works. You've really got to have that holistic view of business. I mean, that's a bit of a funky word there, but just like business is business. You know, you, you spend a certain amount to acquire a customer and then you sell them a certain amount of stuff with a certain value and hopefully to make a profit. So that's, I mean, that's, that's how I break down businesses. You've got like, let's say you spend $1 or $100 to buy, to acquire a customer through advertising or SEO or somehow. You spend $100 worth of resources to acquire a customer and then you sell $200 worth of products to them. It might be one product, it might be several over the lifetime of that customer interaction. Therefore, you have an average profit per customer of $100. That's business in a nutshell, is you buy customers and you sell them stuff and you optimize the whole thing so you're making a profit and then you make the whole thing repeatable. So that you can, you know, buy the customer for 100 and make 200 from them and do that over and over and over and over again, infinitely. Okay, that's business in a nutshell. But that means that you can't just plug an autoresponder in, right? You have to have, you've got to have something, you know, first you've got to have people that can buy something that actually have a problem that, that, that's solvable. And then you have to have stuff to sell them. 
If you don't have that yet, there's no point you know, dropping in an autoresponder into the business. Right? If you haven't got your paid traffic dialed or your traffic side of things dialed, an autoresponder is, I mean, it's great to get it set up first, but it's not this magic thing. Right? It's not just going to, you know, you put, set up an autoresponder and bang, you're making money. It's, it's, it's not that, I mean, it, in some ways it's not that simple, but in some ways it's, it's even simpler. So that's, that's, the, that's the McMaster's inside of the week today. You really got to take that big picture view of business, that 40,000 foot view where maybe, maybe you need an autoresponder. Maybe you do. Right? But maybe you need to focus more on paid traffic, or maybe you need a good uh, sales, you know, you know, sales funnel and sales chart, sales flow. So that's it for today's McMaster's Inside of the Week. If you want to learn more about McMaster's and get more insights, business growing insights like this, you should join McMaster's. It's a private community, private forum, a bunch of products in there, and uh, I'm in there every day posting as well. You can get advice from me, from the other people in there. It's a great place to, to grow your business and get more customers. So if you want to learn more about that, that's it, themcmethod.com slash McMasters. Now, that's it for now. I want to get into this interview with Mr. AJ Miazard. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with AJ Miazard. Now, AJ is the owner of Life Fuel Fitness, which is based in Great Neck, New York, and he's the founder of Life Fuel Supplements along with a fitness software called Lean Buddy. Uh, He's also the author of the best-selling book, The Mind-Body Solution, Train Your Brain for Permanent Weight Loss, where he proves that the key to a better body is that it's in shape, energized, and youthful is a healthy brain, which is uh, 100% agree with. AJ's a fitness professional. He's got a master's in psychology, and he's also been featured in Men's Fitness and on Bodybuilding.com. That's awesome. And he's a keynote speaker at various events. Now, I met AJ about a month ago. At, uh, a month ago, and we're, we're recording this at, uh, well, not at the Titans of Direct Response Seminar, but we actually went into New York one night, had dinner with a few people, and AJ was one of the guys that came along, and we had a chat, and then we, we had a chat actually a couple of weeks back to talk about copywriting and marketing and everything like that. I was like, oh, this guy sounds like uh, he'd be worth getting on the podcast. And that, and that uh, part there about men's fitness and bodybuilding.com is 100% true, because I've seen AJ's photos on Facebook, and this dude is <laughs> ripped. <laughs> So, AJ, how you going, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, John. How you feeling? Pretty, pretty good, man. Good to have you on. Now, before we get into, we're going to talk about storytelling today and how to, you know, how to use storytelling with copywriting and how to use it when writing a book. But before we get into that stuff, can you give the listener a bit more of a background on who, you, you know, who, who is AJ and what does he do? Yeah, absolutely, John. You know, I'm a former chubby kid turned fitness professional and, uh, I really overcame uh, my weight loss, you know, with the world of fitness, and it empowered me to want to create a business out of it. And uh, I've been in the fitness industry for about 12 years now, and I really uh, developed uh, different businesses out of that, where it's a line of supplements, an app that I created, along with an online coaching program. And, uh, you know, it's really awesome. I think one thing that helped me to grow my business was understanding how to write copy and really understanding direct response marketing at the core of it. Right, right, right. And I know you're a member of uh, at least, uh, I think you're in Joe Polish's 25K Mastermind, right? You're, you're a member of some like high-level stuff and you know some of these guys personally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm in a Joe Polish's 25K group and, you know, I, I, I really am a big believer in investing in your education and, uh, you know, you, you definitely get a different perspective when you go into these high-level masterminds, when you're around these people that, you know, have these amazing businesses and lives and, it just changes like your mindset to, to what's possible. So it's been a, a really amazing experience being in his group. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree, man. I've been at, like part of the part of the value for me when I go to conferences and seminars is it's not so much the talks or uh, even just the networking in, in a networking sense, but it's very much when you have a conversation with someone who's playing at, at uh, you know a few levels above you, just by hearing nothing specific, in, like none of the actual words that they say, but just hearing the general mindset and getting a feel for how they think, that changes you know, how I think. And it creates these incredible shifts that almost like an emotional shift where you, where you see that the barrier that you've set up for yourself doesn't actually exist. And all of a sudden you go from one level and you just start stepping it up without even trying to, you can't help it. Yeah, that's right, John. You just completely uh, take away a lot of perceived limitations. You know, when you hear uh, the stories of some, some of the people like at the seminars and whatnot, and what they're accomplishing, all of a sudden it puts your world into perspective. And also certain things that you tend to uh, I guess, really get down upon or little issues and problems you have in your life and business. When you hear about some of the crazy things that these people have to deal with, you know, it kind of brings things down to size. Mm. One thing I, I think is funny, which I found when, uh, you know, I've been in Asia for three years now and met a whole bunch of different people, uh, different business owners. And the interesting thing is that before I came out here, I, I used to think that these business owners would be so serious and so professional. They must be you know, extremely productive and just perfect with everything they did with business. And then I met them and it's like, oh man, they're, they're just like me. I mean, some of them like to party and, and, you know, they have problems with productivity some days. They're just normal men and women. And yeah. uh, when you see that, you're like, well, hang on. If, if, that, if they can do that and they're just a normal guy, well, then I can do no, that. You're so right about that, John. I think, uh, you know, when I first went to my, my first seminar many years ago, uh, a lot of the gurus and experts there, I thought they had like superhuman powers, you know, because I studied their, their their products and read their books. And when I met them, I was like, wow, these people are just like me. And then it made me realize like, wow, they're really no different. You know, I, they just have like, you know, a better strategy than I do. If I get a better strategy, I could be where they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool, man. All right, cool. Well, let's start getting into the uh, the storytelling process. So tell me about that. You've, you've been using stories to grow your business so let's kind of get let's, let's get a big picture overview of what what do you mean by using storytelling in marketing well you know really first started off with uh you know my own fitness business um being overweight and and struggling with uh you know fitness for, for, for a big part of my life i realized that um i had a story to tell you know and, and, I, and I connected with a lot more people when i told them that i used to be overweight and i had chipmunk cheeks and you know i had man boobs and i was really insecure with my body and it led to a lot of issues, both uh, physically and emotionally. And by telling people my backstory, I realized that I was having a deeper connection with them. Even you know my clients were, were abiding more to my program because they're like, this guy experienced what I experienced every single day. And he was worse off than I was. So there was like a deeper connection. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of kept that, that, that the hero's journey story uh, throughout my business. And I realized that um, I connected more with people telling them stories as opposed to giving them facts. You know, there's so much like fitness information, nutrition and exercise, and it's flooded all across the internet. However, when I was really inspiring people to take action, it was by telling them stories of of issues that I overcame. And then then something just dawned on me. And then I realized that I wanted to use more stories in my copy, in my email marketing, on my websites. And that was like a major game changer. Mm. Did you? So it sounds like you sort of stumbled upon it. You didn't read somewhere that stories were, you know, were a good way to sell. You just happened to to realize that by telling these stories, you were really connecting with people, and that was what was building your business. Exactly, John. It was kind of like it stumbled, uh, you know, in front of me. Like when I was telling stories, there was like a shift in, in emotions, and and, and 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 you know, my sales increased. When I was always telling people about my struggles in my past, 
And then it dawned on me like, wow, you know, um, I'm, I'm just telling them stories based on my experiences. However, I really want to get deeper into storytelling and the art of storytelling and just finding out more about the history of it and the psychology behind it. And, and that's when I just really delved deeper into it. Mm. One thing I found, because I've done some reading about this and I obviously use a lot of stories in the emails that I that I write and that I send. And one thing I've sort of noticed when I go to, I mean, seminars is a great example. When you go to any sort of, when you see any any good speaker who really knows what he's doing, they don't sit up, the, you know, they don't put, get their slides up on the screen with bullet points and just text and text and facts and all that crap. They have one big story. It's not always about that. It's not always the hero's journey when, you know, them from, you know, I used to be overweight and now I'm ripped. It, it, it can be, it's usually just a story. They call it the story arc. But any sort of leader, anyone who has a message to share and who's actually good at sharing it and getting it, uh, you know, shared with other people, so it has a sort of viral effect, uses stories. And I think it's funny when you look at uh, religious teachers, like you go into the Bible and you look at Jesus and the parables he told, or you look at Buddha or any famous spiritual leader, and they all use stories to illustrate, you know, you might say moral principles or spiritual principles. And I think that's such a, an incredible, uh, you know, reason for all of us to start using stories in our own business. Yeah, John, that's a really good point. You know, like uh, back in the history before they had like text in the written word, you know, they would tell stories and pass it along along generations. And the reason why they told stories were because they're so memorable. You know, the stories really stick into a person's mind. Mm. So what did you learn then? In uh, You know, you said you dove in and you, you went to read some books and you did a whole bunch of stuff to find out what was going on with stories and how to use them. So tell me about some of the stuff that you learned. Well, a lot of fascinating stuff, you know, first and foremost, uh, when you're telling a story to someone, um, all of a sudden part of their, their, their conscious mind shuts off and their subconscious mind becomes so much more receptive because they put themselves in the point of view of your story. So let's say you're, you're telling a story about yourself. They're more engaged because they would imagine what they would do in your situation. Or if you talk about your mom, they think about their mother or their father. So it, it, it's a fascinating shift in a person's attention. And also, let's say when you're uh, writing a story, you know, someone's reading it, whether it's your copy or your website, the person becomes a lot more engaged because they want to know how that story ends. So typically, by telling a story, you're going to get a person a lot more engaged into into reading, you know, a bigger block of text. And uh, what was really fascinating was this this study that it came across. And was about uh, this ceramic horse that uh, these these scientists got for like 99 cents and they put it on eBay. And um, basically they split tested uh, two different types of copies. So they had this one description of the the horse and it was just basically 99 cent horse, you know, buy it over here, so on and so forth. And then the second one was an engaging story about the horse. It was about this girl who said, you know, my father, he had this ceramic horse and you know, he, he he was a drunk and he was like, he was this and he was that. And it's really deep emotional story. And the eBay ad that had the story, the horse sold for $63. Wow. So it was like a $6,000 increase. And they split tested across many numerous different types. And the story always destroyed the logical regular ad. Wow. Well, I think right now that uh, you know someone's listening to this and they're probably thinking, well, that's great. I understand that because I've I've spoken about this before on this podcast, but that storytelling is great. But a lot of cha- you know, one of the big challenges that people have is, well, I'm, they're thinking, I'm not a storyteller. I don't know how to write stories. So how do you know? What's your advice to someone like that? Well, that, that's great, you know, because uh, I, I struggled with it uh, initially myself, and I just read a lot of books on storytelling. There's a, a lot about. Um, 
how to even like uh, write a screenplay, you know, because I was telling a story with visuals. And I came across this great book, and it's called Immediate Fiction by Jerry Cleaver. And it gives this great framework for telling a powerful, engaging story. Okay. So what's the can, – can you give me like the uh, a summary of sort of what, what's, what's the framework? Sure, absolutely. So um, he discusses this framework, and it's called CARES, C-A-R-E-S. So prior to writing a story or coming up with an outline, you put a part of the story in each of these words. So let's say C is for conflict, A is for action, R is for resolution, E is for emotion, S is for showing, okay? So let's say, for example, you want to tell a story. Uh, I'll give one that I did uh, to my clients about a time where I almost got smothered by a pair of breast implants. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And, 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 you know, I always start stories off to be very engaging, and that's why C is the most important one. The first part of the story has to be, like, conflict, okay? So it has to be, like, something where, you know, it just it stops the reader and, 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 and it creates an emotional connection. So conflict. I almost got smothered by a pair of breast implants, okay? Action. I hired a trainer from a local gym to train me. So basically, I'm building up some type of action, and then I go into the R. The resolution. So basically, I discuss a story about me going to a gym, hiring a trainer with big breast implants that almost smothered me. And then from that point on, I went about how, uh, you know, visually she was very appealing, but, you know, she wasn't the best trainer. So I was just discussing how it's, you know, it's better to hire an expert, maybe hire an amateur. So in a sense, I was, I, was, I was telling a story through this experience that I had. That's conflict, action, resolution. The next one is emotion, okay? So basically, whenever you're telling a story, you want to elicit emotion from your reader. And instead of using the actual word, you want to show emotion. That's the last one, S, okay? Mm. So showing, not telling. And um, a great example of that is, uh, let's say, for example, if you want to express in your story that uh, the person was angry, instead of saying, he was angry, you could say his face was red and his nostrils were flaring, okay? So this creates a powerful visual in your reader's mind and it connects a lot more into the story, it gets them a lot more engaged. And there's this phenomenal book that I highly recommend. It's called The Emotion Thesaurus. And it's written by a group of psychologists. It discusses every single emotion in the human realm and it gives the actual visual interpretation of it. Okay, so let's say it'll say anger, but it'll show how anger is expressed externally, internally. So it's like this amazing resource if you're writing fiction, if you're telling stories, to really captivate the reader. I love that. I love that. We uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago with this idea of, of I, that's something I've never heard before, this idea instead of saying someone's angry or someone's mad or someone's happy or whatever it is, you talk about their body language, for example, yes. their behavior. And that's... I think that's such a huge, it's such a small thing, but it's also such a huge thing that I think if someone talk, you know, they're already telling stories and they say sales copy or something like that, if they start using those ways of describing it, I think it will connect so much more. Yes. No, exactly, John. You know, for example, if you're trying to tell a story about confidence, you know, you could say the man was insecure or you could say he was looking down, his shoulders were slumped and he was just walking very slowly. You know, so it's just basically you're saying the same thing, but you're creating this powerful visual that the reader keeps inside their mind. Right. What's fascinating about that actually is that because you 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 know you learn some of this stuff with Tony Robbins to actually consciously think about what that means with if someone's shoulders are down or if their head's down. But it's funny that you don't have to know that people don't have to know those things 
to know what that feeling would be. If you describe someone with their shoulders slumped and their head down and the walking slow, what do you think this guy's feeling? Well, he's probably sad or he's probably a bit depressed. Everyone's going to say that. It's crazy how universal this stuff is. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins and his take on uh, human physiology is exactly true. And it, it's, it's fascinating, too, because in this book, when it goes into confidence and happiness, when you actually start to read the descriptions and you start acting them out, you'll notice your state and mood change very quickly. Hmm. So tell me about how do, you, how do you take a story? Once you've got this, uh, this framework, you've got a story about, uh, it could be like a, a story like yours where it's um, you know, going from overweight to being ripped or getting smothered by big breasts, big fake breast implants. Hmm. Or, uh, or, or any story, how do you take a story like that and use it in your marketing? Because some stories are going to be better than others. Absolutely. You know, like I always uh, say, start with the conflict. And the key thing is you always want the conflict to be your prospect's pain, you know, the, the, their biggest struggling point. So when you're telling a story about that, you're really digging deep into their own personal pain. You're bringing that out and then slowly and very implicitly, you're discussing how your product or service is going to be the solution to their pain. You know, it's going to get them out of that hell that they're in. But, you know, a great marketer, a great salesman is, is really a master of triggering pain. Because when you could trigger your prospect's pain and then offer a solution to, to resolve that, you could do that very powerfully with a story. I like that. I've never heard anyone frame it up quite that way with the idea of obviously with the headline is to enter that conversation that's going on in someone's head. But yeah. uh, to think about, well, what emotion are they feeling? What, you know, when they wake up each morning, what are they pissed off about? What are they upset about? What do they think when they look in the mirror in the morning? And then find a headline or find a hook that kicks off the story with, and that's your conflict. That's your opening for the story. Here's what the story is about is I looked in the mirror and uh, I felt like a loser or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. No, that's, no, that's a John, you know, cause uh, I guess like sales in, in, in the simplest way is, you know, you're, 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 you're triggering someone's pain. And then from that point on, you're offering some type of resolution. So it's, it's like, you know, you're trying to get someone so thirsty, so parched, so dehydrated, and then your product or service is going to be that glass of water that they need, you know? Exactly, exactly. I thought it was funny a minute ago, actually, when you said that, that a great marketer is a master of triggering pain. And I think that's so true. And, and actually, a couple of weeks ago, I did a presentation, and one of the parts of the uh, presentation was talking about how really, the, I think, with a story or with any sort of marketing, you've got, number one, you've got to get someone's attention, and number two, you just got to agitate them. You've got to make them feel that pain so much that they take action on whatever you're offering. Yeah, no, John, that's a great point, you know, because nobody's going to take action unless they hit rock bottom. You know, they have to be in a place where you're triggering their pain and they realize, wow, you know, if I don't make any changes right now, my, lo my life is going to be a living hell. It's going to get worse off. So you're inspiring them to take action by triggering their pain. And the, the thing is, is with the story, it's a much better way. Like, I mean, you can talk about, like I said, you can say angry. You must be angry that you're overweight. But if you tell a story about a guy who's, body language says that he's angry because he's overweight, it gets the person, it triggers that pain in someone much more powerfully than if you just talk about the, you know, what sucks about, you know, being overweight. Yeah, exactly, John. You know, like if you just uh, express the facts to a person, uh, you know, their conscious mind will just shut it off. I don't want to be taught. I don't want the advice. However, if you tell a personal story about yourself or someone else, you know, the prospect all of a sudden puts themselves in the point of view of the character in the story and all the pain and all the struggle and even the triumph that they go through, the prospect experiences that. Right. And where, I mean, where are some ways to, to use these stories? Obviously, you can do it in emails, but this is something you can do in sales letters and any kind of marketing, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in every aspect, you know, on 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 your opt-in pages, your uh, websites, your email marketing, uh, direct mail. You know, just, they go on and on and on. But a great story, just a powerful way to captivate, uh, you know, your reader and, and, and inspire them to take some action. What like mediums have you used stories with to to you know to get really good results? Have, you know, obviously, I guess you've probably done an email or emails with stories, and you've probably done sales as well. I mean, what's worked for you? Uh, of course, you know sales letters, uh, you know, websites. I do a lot of email marketing with storytelling. Um, what thing that worked really good for me is writing a book, actually. You know, um, I wrote a, a book called The Mind-Body Solution. And uh, initially, when I, when I was writing the book, it was based on facts. And it was like, you know, neuroscience and psychology. And it was, it was just really, you know, very, I guess, scientific. I decided to rewrite the book. And, you know, it just became a set of stories, like story after story after story. And, uh, you know, the book really caught on and, and it really engaged the reader. And, you know, the book became a bestseller and I was really happy and blessed about that. And I guess the only reason it did so well was because I embedded it with stories stacked back to back to back to back. Okay. What are some of the mistakes that you think people make or mistakes that you made uh, while trying to, do, you know, when you've used stories with your, um, with your business, with the book, with the emails? What are some of the challenges that, that you faced? Of course, uh, you know, the uh, story not being too engaging, not having enough emotional triggers in there, um, you know, just being, being a bit too bland. Uh, you know, and like I said, I find this framework works really well for me from, from the book Immediate Fiction. So uh, when I kind of steer off the framework and I don't have, you know, conflict, action, resolution, if I'm not triggering emotion, uh, those are a lot of mistakes I made in the past. And I found by, by not really having a lot of emotion in the story, a person's really going to, you know, it's, it's really going to turn them off in a sense. I think this is one of the cool things about marketing is where you're, it's, it's not really about, you know, your headline or, you know, the structure of your sales page. It's very much about understanding emotion and how to use emotion to motivate people to do something, which is yeah. where that, you know, when I mentioned that, you know, you got to get someone's attention. That's step one. And step two, to me, it's, I mean, it's only those two steps. Step one, get someone's attention. Step two, agitate them. Because if you agitate them enough, they'll... Of their own of their own initiative, they will click the link and go and buy something or download something or whatever it is. And it's I think it's incredible that as, as marketers, the goal isn't really to become some you know magician. The goal is really to understand how how emotions drive behavior and how to trigger emotion. And it's not about manipulating people in a bad way. I think it's about uh, understanding that if someone is overweight and they want to lose weight, they've got a whole bunch of limiting beliefs inside their head about why they can't lose weight, even though they can. And so the marketer's job. I think this is this is you know sort of like a, an amazing it's sort of like salesman uh, the saviors of the world I think I've written in an email once, <laughs> which is where pe like nothing's going to happen without a, a good salesperson or a good marketer because someone has to help the prospect overcome those limiting limiting beliefs and get to the point where they're like screw it I'm going to make this work I'm going to do whatever I can to lose weight or to go and make some money or to help my family or whatever the case is. That was very very well said, John. I totally agree with you. <laughs> Now that's so eloquent how you just put all that together. So I, I was I was taking notes when you said that actually. <laughs> I mean it's cool. It's one thing that I talk about in um in the community that I have is the this idea of like empathy where like I love bringing things back to marketing fundamentals where instead of looking at like a lot of people want like a big book or a whole big course and things like that. And when I find the more experience I get, you know, the the, the guys I meet who are who are very successful, it often comes back to you know, it's this empathy, which is, you know, you obviously need to do the emotion, but if you go back to the even further back or further fundamental, it's it's understanding what someone's going through. 
Because if you have that, and then you just sort of follow it, you know, if you have that, you know what to say to get their attention, you know how to agitate them. No, John, you're so right. You know, that quote you said, um, to be able to enter the conversations in your prospects' minds is the ability to understand them better than themselves and to mm -hmm. connect with them on, on a very deep emotional level. Have you ever had like a bad result from a story? Like, is, have you ever had like someone come in, you've told a story, and they've been pissed off for some reason? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I guess when you, uh, get into storytelling, uh, a lot of times you could really offend people. And uh, I wrote a lot of offense. <laughs> Fake question <laughs> players will probably offend a few people. Oh, yes. Yeah, so a lot of women, uh, you know, deleted <laughs> me from email and stuff like that. But uh, the main thing is, you know, um, stories are so powerful and they're so emotionally driven that you could really, really piss someone off, piss, offend them. You know, you could kind of cross the line in a sense because uh, it, it engages a different part of the brain, you know, whereas... Um, uh, I found, yeah, with, with stories, in a sense, it's it's a sense of like a person really getting into it. You know, just like watching a good movie, a person can get really into it and, and they could be emotionally disturbed by the whole experience. <laughs> it's I think there's, there's like an aspect of this where some people look at marketers and think marketers are so bad. They're evil. They're manipulating people. And, uh, you know, in some cases that does happen because it's, I think it's part of it. Part of the problem is the language that, that, you know, we as marketers like to use, which is that get inside someone's head and really understand what they want and, and play with their emotion. But like, this is what guys like Tony Robbins do when, when they're trying to help someone get through their limiting beliefs. It's, it's very much about, you know, understanding their behavior and, and figuring out what motivates them so you can help them get what they want. Yeah, exactly. And I actually have this on this on this. I actually have this theory with like um, like cigarettes, for example. So people say, you know, some people would be like, well, you know, shouldn't we have to sell cigarettes because they're bad? And uh, you know, I think that cigarettes, yeah, they're they're unhealthy. But stopping people from selling them or from selling anything that that isn't actually good for someone isn't going to stop people from buying it. That it'll only ever change when people stop desiring it. And so what that means, though, is that marketers, you can't make someone want something they don't actually want. You've got to find what they already want, which, you know, if it's weight loss, then they're probably going to be wanting more energy. They want more time with their family. They want more, you know, respect from, from people of the opposite sex or something like that. Like you, when you find out what that, but if they don't want those things, you can't sell them anything. So it's a, it's an interesting thing about marketing, even with the best story, if they don't want what you're, what you're offering them, no amount of persuasion is ever going to get them there, which is a, it's an interesting thing because you can't make someone do what they don't want to do. So I think that with marketing, really just channeling desire not making, not creating it. No, that's a really good point, John. I just thought about like, uh, you know, the whole aspect that people move towards pleasure and away from pain and a great marketer is able to, you know, push a person so close to that pain that they'll do anything to get away from it. So they'll actually go towards stuff that they never did before. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting concept. And what do you think about like, there's tons of different like story formats. I think there's, um, it's Kurt, Kurt what's that guy's name? Kurt Vonnegut? I never know how to say it. That yes. guy, he's got, there's an infographic of like eight different storytelling formats. You can look at these um, online. They're all, they're all free, I think. Just look at different storytelling formats. Do you, do you ever use those kind of things? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, Joseph Campbell and his um, Hero's Journey. I think that's like the best framework for any type of story just because uh, any expert was an amateur and always going back to how you acquired your superpower. You know, and people tend to really... Um, get really close with, with that hero's journey, especially with all these superhero movies and, uh, you know, the, the, his ability of this, like, geek to acquire this superpower and to become this hero and save the world. And uh, it's just always going back to your backstory and whatever expertise you have, showing people how much you failed and how much pain you had and all the stuff you overcame 
to be the person you are today. One thing I just thought of, which would be interesting, is that when, when it comes to information products, which are, you might say, transformation products, you know, you buy the product, you use it, you transform yourself, it might be a little bit more difficult for someone to understand how to use a story to sell, say, kitchen knives or, you know, porcelain horses or something like that. So, because you don't really have the hero's journey, you know, I, I'm not going to buy a porcelain horse because it's going to make me a better person. I'm just going to buy it because it's, maybe there is, a, I, I know you can sell this stuff with stories, but you see the difference with a transformation thing, you can tell a transformation story or a hero's yeah. journey story, but that doesn't, it doesn't work the same way if you're selling a commodity item. So what's, what are your thoughts there? How would you sell, I mean, you told the porcelain story, how would you sell like kitchen knives with a story? That's a really, that's a really good question, John, you know, uh, it really is, you know, what is the uh, the end user's end benefit, you know? Uh, let's say you're, you're selling it to a housewife and her benefit is to, uh, you know, cook a great meal for her family. So you could create a backstory about, you know, her using these kitchen knives and bringing the family together. It's a loving environment and, and everyone eats the food and they have a great time. You know, like it doesn't have to be, you know, the exact knife, but it's, it's, it's kind of like, what that knife could bring, the benefits, and just, you know, what, what type of emotions you could stir up in that type of environment. Mm. And you'd have to talk about where well, everyone's smiling, there's some nice, good dinner music in the background, everyone's laughing and telling jokes. You don't want to say the family's happy, right? You just want to make them sound happy. There you go. You, you create this <laughs> amazing masterpiece for the reader, yes. I like that. I like that. It's cool. It's, it's pretty much like it's when you're selling commodity items. I mean, Sometimes it will be about the commodity, but it's very much about, it's, it's not really about the product. You know, they want kitchen knives, but really they want that feeling, like you said, the feeling of like a, a great family or, you know, a delicious juicy steak that they've cooked on that brand new barbecue or whatever it happens like that. <laughs> <laughs> My mouth is watering when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Well, right on time here, but before we go, if, uh, if the listener wants to learn more about you, about the fitness stuff, or I don't know if you have anything about the story stuff, where's the best place for them to go? Sure. I'm really active on my Facebook. You can just add me on there. It's Facebook forward slash AJ Fit, A-J-F-I-T. And uh, if you want to get an example of like storytelling and uh, embedding different uh, facts with it, you can check out my book. It's like three bucks on, uh, on Amazon, The Mind Body Solution by AJ Mirzad. And, uh, you know, anything I could help you with in terms of uh, your storytelling process or even just some great resources that I've used over the years, by all means, just hit me up. Cool. Okay. I'll have links to that in the show notes at uh, themethod.com. AJ, thanks for coming on the show, man. Hey, John. Thanks for having me, buddy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.